Hello everybody and welcome to Volume 3, Issue 122 of the Cane and Rinse Podcast. You can play along with Cane and Rinse Volume 3 and our next five issues are to feature the games Infamous and Infamous 2, Papo and Yo. Then we continue our Mario series, Super Mario series with Galaxies 1 and 2. Then we start a two-game series, uh, which is Portal. And uh, Metro Last Light, following up our uh, Metro 2033 podcast that we did, goodness knows, way back when. Head to com for the full schedule. It's there as a drop-down. Uh, we often get asked, where is our schedule? It's there on the homepage, canerinse.com. Uh The blog is there as well, of course, and links to our very popular forum, uh, slightly less popular, but increasingly so, merchandise store, our Facebook page, Google+, Twitter, and YouTube. And as always... I know we always say it, perhaps you don't even hear it anymore, but please do subscribe, review, and rate us on iTunes, because it's very helpful. Uh, In all regions, in all territories. Thank you. Good night. And joining me, Leon Cox, in this issue, Tony Atkins. Hello. Hello, Tony. Joshua Garrity. Hello. Long time no speaky, uh, because you missed the Super Mario World podcast due to due to poorliness mm, yeah indeed. but you're all better now unlike carl moon <laughs> hey uh snotty carl yeah <laughs> poor old carl uh so yes uh here we go we're going to do a spoiler warning for this one i think um in fact i think it's uh, as as crucial for this game as it has been for any that we've covered um it is a game that once you play it through again it's never quite the same the second time i i played it through a second time for the podcast um, and if you haven't played it and you're listening to this podcast, I suspect that what we, or at least some of us, and certainly many of our correspondents will say, will entice you to want to try it. But there are things that we will say that will probably diminish the impact of certain events of the game. So that is fair warning. All right, let's start with uh, Carl and your history of the game. Um, did you download it for Xbox 360 back in the summer of arcade or did you get it more recently um no i I downloaded it purchased it for the questionable summer of arcade that year (laughs) when no one really knew what was happening it was actually delayed that year because i'd been looking forward to the game for numerous months before and actually due to my father not shutting up about this game that he'd read a little tiny two paragraph thing in a magazine um Mm. and obviously it mentioned that it was starbreeze and Mm. I'm quite a fan of Starbreeze. I've said it in the past. I think we all are as a podcast, which would probably explain the fact why we've already done two of the games. And, mm. You know, mm. we, ha- we have our list that people always mention about, and one of the first games that was on that list was also Chronicles of Riddick. Mm. So that that would pretty much be the f- the full round of their titles. So <laughs> uh, I rushed out, bought it. The, the date came out. In fact, my father uh, asked me to get to his Xbox to purchase it for him when he was at work. Then I bought wow. it. And so then I was going to say, you, you rushed it. out and purchased it. it it's like, what, you rushed to the Xbox? Rushed into the lounge. Yeah, I literally, <laughs> for this one, rushed out to purchase it for someone else. And then um, I purchased my own version. And then I later bought a PC version. And then oh. I even later bought the PlayStation 3 version. Goodness me. Okay. Yeah. Uh, have you played it through on each or bits and bobs? No. Um, the, the first time I sort of experienced it, I would say I experienced over half the game watching it. Right. I actually watched my father play. Okay, um, be interested to hear he, later what he thought. Yeah, because it just seemed like something that I could visually watch and then I'd, I'd later... But I, I intentionally stayed away from anything to do with 
the, the sort of the later half of the game and then I played it through on PlayStation 3. Excellent. Joshua, uh, now I remember we had a conversation about this at the time because uh, this was uh, sort of post the era where you'd um, gone from mainly playing on 360 and, and moved on to PC, so you waited for the PC version. Yeah. Which arrived a little later, uh, about a month later, um, and was problematic at first, as I recall. Um, I've heard that, but I didn't really have problems with it. Um, oh, good. Okay. Yeah. Um, yeah. No, I've heard that people had uh, quite a few issues. Luckily, I managed to avoid them. Uh, avoid good. them. So that was good. Um, yeah, this is really interesting because um, I actually didn't know much about this game on the run-up to release, which seems odd because, you know, you look at it and if you know me, it, it kind of seems right up my street. Um, mm. This kind of, like, uh, narrative-focused uh, game that it, it uses environment and uh, interactivity to tell its story rather than cutscenes and so forth. But, yeah, I think I saw a trailer for it uh, at an E3 conference ages ago and then just kind of ignored it for ages until the word of mouth uh, started, uh, you know, coming over Twitter and Facebook and stuff when the reviews came out and people going, this is actually, like, really special and you should check it out. Um, I decided to wait for the PC version simply because um, usually, like... I mean, we've had bad PC ports in the past, but like around mm. that time, it seemed that the majority of PC ports were actually getting better than the console yeah, versions. For sure. yeah. So I thought, okay, I'll, I'll wait until I can play the best possible version of it. Uh, from the sounds of things, um, well, for quite a few people, it was actually worse than the 360 version. But for me, it was. It seems like it was just kind of the same, and me waiting wasn't really. <laughs> I, I maybe should have just. <laughs> bought it day one but um uh, i yeah um really surprised that i because i'm also like carl a a fan of starbreeze like i I think the darkness Mm. is uh one of the more interesting examples of storytelling in video games uh in recent Mm. years so this is one of those cases where a game kind of creeped out of nowhere kind of surprised me and then looking back i wonder why the hell wasn't i aware this game was mm. coming out at all so this was an interesting one for me i know what you mean and uh, tony what about you um i'm actually closer to carl's dad in respect to this game um there was a lot of there was a lot of there was uh, obviously e3 and stuff happened around that um and i was flicking through edge and like a whole ton of coverage of a load of other games and in this tiny little box of maybe like 200 words was this little preview of you know brothers and i was like this out of all the games i'd kind of been flicking through this is the one that kind of stood out to me and i was like well visually the little picture they put there looks incredible um and started reading some of the mechanics and that actually led me on to do a, a proper internet search and and really invest a bit of time in, in following it that, that brothers and that's actually something I don't really do anymore um, because, you know, we're just we're so bombarded with stuff via mm. social media, magazines, websites. It's all over the place. And I tend to try to avoid and, and just get glimpses of stuff. Yeah. But this one yeah. sounded interesting enough for me to do a bit of research on it. And because the preview was so small, it seemed only right. So actually, I was, I was really looking forward to this game before it hit the Xbox 360. And that's where I picked it up. Um, I, I remember talking to a few people that are actually reviewing it and 
Um, they've been very hyped and praised about it. So I was actually desperate. So I was there day one, picked it up, and obviously it's a kind of sit down, play through almost in one sitting. I, I didn't actually do that the first time, but um, you know, very much looking forward to it. And yeah, I, I guess I will speak about whether it lived up to my uh, my hope, <laughs> my excitement. Yeah, um, for me, uh, it was. Uh, I saw. I also saw about it in Edge ahead of its release, but I didn't know too much about it until I saw their, their review was very early. Um, I don't. I think maybe they'd been to Starbreeze mm. to play it through in a sitting or something like that, um, because it was way before um, codes were being given out. I was writing reviews for BT Games at the time, and um, so I requested a code as soon as I saw this interesting review, and I just basically saw I skim read it in Smiths and looked at the screenshots and saw that they saw it was by Starbreeze and that they gave it a seven out of ten and thought oh, it looks interesting. Um, so I asked for a review code and got it ahead of release, um, and uh, fortunately because that was a very quiet week for uh, retail releases it got to be the main review that week so I got to do a proper 500 plus words on it rather than a, a roundup review um, and uh, yeah that was fun um, recorded footage of it for, for the videos that we did on there and stuff like that um, more recently I uh, downloaded the PSN version on PS3 and have replayed that this week um, got all the trophies and then went back to the 360 version <laughs> to hoover up the last few achievements so I've now got two completely completed copies of uh, Brothers the only version I haven't played is the PC version um, but I can honestly say I don't want to dwell on it too much because it's not it's not so bad that it thoroughly you know it completely destroys the experience but the PS3 version is a bit of a shonky port um, it looks demonstrably worse it's fuzzier um, I don't know if it's just the Unreal Engine stuff but it has problems with tearing and textures and juddering and I would it's certainly not enough to uh, to stop me recommending the PS3 version but if you have the choice uh, of the console versions I would absolutely say that the 360 version is the one to go for however so far after launch though yeah however of course uh it's not on games for gold it's uh, it's on ps plus so that could be a that mm. could be a persuader so i would yeah you know, I'd definitely say play it rather than not playing it i got to say talking about bugs um on the pc actually on mm. the 360 i had a bug the first time through uh where you you have to get the key from the troll yes um, that that's still in the ps3 version crazy i, I didn't have it this time but the first time round, I, I i went round in circles not knowing how to, to solve the puzzle and had to do an online search to, to see yeah where you I have was to restart the nope had to restart the game so you have to restart the chapter mm. um it's actually not, not that get, far in so it's not i mean the chapters aren't hugely long but yes i was disappointed to come across that um in the in the uh, and because it had been you know it's well it was six six eight months ago that i last mm. played it I was thinking, right? I know, I know this bit. You go through the, you go through the gate. You creep through the through the bones without stepping on them because that alerts the troll guard that you're coming to nick his key. But I just sort of stepped on the bones and nothing happened. And uh, and apparently that's the sign that if if that happens and if the cutscene didn't kick in, then <laughs> the game bugs is bugged out and you need to not restarting the checkpoint doesn't do anything. You have to restart the the entire chapter. So that's it's really shonky that that's still in both versions as well. Um, but you know, okay. hopefully other things about this game uh, you know make up for it. So yes, yeah, Starbreeze Studios. Um, as we as we said earlier, um, we've already done a couple of their games. I don't have the issue numbers to hand, but um, if you search our iTunes or or uh, website for and the Darkness and Syndicate 
We've already done podcasts on both of those. Um, Chronicles of Riddick could definitely happen one day. Um, so a Swedish studio, and I believe they were born out of the 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 old first. Well, I think they some of them go back as far as the Amiga demo scene, um, and certainly the PC demo scene. Um, you know, teams of people who were, I mean, they were closely affiliated to Crackers and Hackers, but they were as much as anything obsessed with kind of making these spectacular audio visual demos for for computers i mean um i believe one i believe the um the musician for the game gustav grafberg worked on uh, worked for a team called the silence who are legendary and their their stuff was so good now i didn't normally do this but i used to uh, i sent off for the, their four disc epic which was called jesus on ease uh, and it was it was like a four as a four disc um sort of audio visual techno rave up um with yeah just just really mad trippy visuals and basically showing their mastery of um you know electro music and the amigas blitter and copper chips and all that sort of stuff um and i think that's where this a lot of a lot of starbreeze kind of can be traced back to um but it this definitely as soon as as soon as i saw anything about it in the edge magazine i think you know we all we've all said the same thing already really all of their other games that we know that we know well are basically dark sci-fi or fantasy they tend to be gory they tend to be sweary um, I've not played their earliest games, um, Enclave, um, no. which was a, a Windows and Xbox game, or or Knights of the Temple, um, but Riddick the Darkness and Syndicate all kind of fit into that dark fantasy sci-fi box. Um, and also, they you know they previously worked with big publishers, whereas I'm not saying 505 Games are a smaller publisher, but I'm sure they are. They're known for sort of you know less. They're they're known for more obscure releases and, and whatever. Um, I do think they had quite a strong outing last year, though, didn't they? 505 started to make a um, sort of a real name for themselves for publishing sort of braver, more out-there titles that, that yeah, the companies right. weren't going for. Yeah, uh, yeah, I think yeah. you're right. Yeah, niche sort of, slightly more niche stuff. And, yeah, they used to specialise in import stuff. Um, yeah, and in, in Japan, the game's published by Spike Chunsoft, who we don't we don't have over here. Um so yes, as we say, this came out, this was the first uh, Summer of Arcade game of 2013, probably the least um, hyped and remembered Summer of Arcade uh, of the of that promotion's, what, five-year history, six-year history? Um, you know, good luck remembering exactly what the other games were. <laughs> Flashback, Charlie Murder, um, uh, anyway, um, came out a month later on PC and PS3. Uh, as I say, there were some reports, including some of our community members, talking about how the PC version did have issues at launch with uh, losing checkpoints and some glitches and various other issues. They they may well have all been patched by now. Um, and yes, as we say, this was complete coincidence, although this seems this sort of thing happens an awful lot. Uh, PlayStation Plus uh, game for March 2014. So um, by the time this podcast's out, it will be gone from the PS Plus service. But mm-hmm. hopefully, uh, all you PS Plus subscribers at least clicked on the download button while it was there, so you can play it anytime you want from now on. So this is the first gaming work of a Swedish uh, filmmaker called Joseph Fares, who's a director, writer. Uh, and actor occasionally um now i can't claim to have seen any of his films uh, i don't know if even if they're they're all exclusively uh, swedish language or whatever um but i believe he's you know he's considered an interest an interesting young filmmaker beyond that um josh you're a bit of a movie guy tony anyone 
Now, there's there's an interesting interview of him on YouTube um, discussing okay. this game in particular, uh, which is well worth a watch. It's about 15 minutes long. Um, yeah. I'm not sure who done it. One of the one of the bigger websites, anyway. Right. Um, yeah. And it's it's interesting the way he talks about how obviously he, he comes into the game thinking about you know bringing filmic elements into the story mm. very much about you know the brothers being a part of each other, um, but having to to cut down part of the the dream because of the, the limitation of games and uh, in his own words the the well the way that people mess around with narratives within games if if it's not guided um so it's it's an interesting doc you should probably go and check it out but um yeah it's he seems a pretty um he's got he's definitely got an ego to him um yeah but then i don't think if you know you're a young filmmaker i I think you generally do um and it's one of those ones where he's got a you know you've got a passion for what he does and he wants to have an idea for the for the game and and shopped it around many places before he, he landed where he did. Right. Yeah, I was wondering about that. I mean, it, it, you know, it doesn't seem like an obvious fit, other than he's Swedish. Like, in terms of the, this studio's previous output, they're known for, you know, technically um, very adept work, but as I say, the thematically of of a type that this doesn't fit into, and yet... Um, you know, he, this this auteur's obviously brought his his story, his aesthetic to to the project. But the the usual Starbreeze team, mm-hmm. probably a, a cut down version thereof, have worked on worked on this game from top to bottom. I mean, it's quite uh, interesting when you think that that they actually brought someone in from the movie industry, which is usually synonymous with something being terrible uh, in gaming. It it almost never works. Mm-hmm. Um, I'm thinking. John Woo with Stranglehold, uh, something <laughs> like that, and and you I, think that 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 was both successful here and Starbreeze were arguably the most successful at bringing a movie franchise into a quality game with Riddick as well. So they've sort of done both sides. Well, of it see, and that's been successful. I, I think that's it's slightly different because technically they didn't bring him in. I mean, he it was a project that he wanted to do. So quite he often, them. yeah, quite often you you see you know. People like it seems like Steven Spielberg, a name that always comes up. You, you seem um, people approached by game developers to write stories, etc., or to have a hand in cinematics, etc. But it, it's not their baby. Where this is the other way round. He was approaching um, game companies and, and publishers to to make this game for him, and essentially the core of the game is his game, um, and then they've embedded the mechanics over the top of what he wanted from the story to be. Um, so very much like he. He, he's also a big game player, so I mean, I think that's right. that's also one of those things where he he knew what he wanted to make from this game. He just needed fi- somebody to do it. But the problem, of course, he had is that we see the end product is it's not kind of off your shelf type gaming. You know, co- single player co op as one kind of you know a bit of bit of a strange idea. Mm-hmm. At the same time, you know, the way you know it deals with its story and also the way that it ends its story. You know, most publishers are going to look at that and go thanks but no thanks um, and I think he, you know, he admits he, he just hit at that right time where more interesting uh, and unique stuff was seemed to be coming out on the bigger platforms and XBLA, you know, when they, he started off with, was really being a, a big success so um, you know obviously um, they, they took a chance I mean it's, it's as simple as that but I, I think that's, that's the bigger issue here is that it's the guy you know, wanting somebody to make a game, he's also a filmmaker, and it's all those points together rather than just being approached by somebody to add elements to a game. 
Uh, another thing I should say about this game, in case I trip over it, is uh, my brain always wants to call it Two Brothers after the um, <laughs> the, uh, the the Tiger Cub buddy movie from nineteen uh, from two thousand and four with Guy Pearce, which is a lovely film. Um, but absolutely, I mean, other than the fact that it has uh, sibling brothers in it, um, these are tigers rather than uh, boys in a fairy tale Scandinavian land. So, apologies if I trip over that at any point. Um, and yes, that is probably the first thing, the first stop we should talk about, rather than the Tigers, is that control method. Um, perhaps the one of the things that makes this game unique. Um, now, it's not the first game that's done it, um, but there aren't a huge amount of examples. I mean, you can certainly find videos out there of people doing things like playing um, J- Japanese shooters with uh, both ships with one with each hand and things like that I mean that's crazy. you know it's, it's crazy <laughs> land um, but there have been a couple of games the, the ones that sprang to mind to me and I mentioned them in my, my original review um, there's a game on Xbox Live Arcade um, it felt more like an Xbox Live indie game but it made it to XBLA it's called Schizoid and that has a mode where you uh, control one ship with your left hand and one ship with your right hand and they both have different qualities um, um, and yes, it's a bit of a brain scrambler, as you'd expect. Um, but more contemporaneously to Brothers was a game I played at, you know, pretty much at this time, was Nino Cooney, The Wrath of the White Witch, has uh, uh, portions called the Friendship Trials, where two of your party are separated and you have to operate in this fashion where uh, you know one of them is doing stuff on the left and one of them is doing stuff on the right and you have to uh, see each other through and... Uh, that's that's one that it reminded me of but there are there are a few other examples out there thinking about you know dual wield modes in light gun games obviously quite a different thing um and there is a game that i really can't remember what it's called i don't know if anyone will get it from this um i think it was two player rather than single player but i think it was on the ps1 playstation and it was a vertical scroller almost top down um where you've got one character on the left and one character on the right, and actually you're you're operating as a as a cooperative team, helping your way through up these levels. Um, and as I say, I believe it was more designed around the idea of being a two player game. Mm-hmm. But I think it was one of the, you could play it single player if you had two controllers and and that sort of a brain. Um, but yes, it's not something that you see done every day. And even you know everything from the Penny Arcade cartoon to a number of the reviews, and quite a few of our correspondents commented on the fact that. One of the things about this game, whether you consider it a problem or not, I'd be interested to hear from each of you, is that at times, um, it's certainly when you're first getting used to the game, you will have your two characters kind of doing really goofy, silly stuff because you have your brain hasn't quite completely ascribed left controller stick to big blue brother and right controller stick to little orange brother. Yeah. I mean, I, I had situations where... I'd focus on one brother and completely forget about the other one and I'm still using like the uh you know the um the circle pad to uh move the character yeah. but he's gone off and you know done something completely <laughs> different over in the corner and I'm like why mm. why why can't I move pa- oh right cuz the little brother's over there uh going going round yeah. and round in circles um yeah it it, it was hard initially to uh, split your brain in two and be able to control both characters at the same time. What I found I had to do 
throughout the entirety of the, uh, of the game, in fact, um, was always have the big brother on the left side of the screen <laughs> yeah. and the little brother yeah, on the right side of the screen. And once I did that, it was fine. Like It was okay. My so, brain so, could deal with that. But when they are, go around... There are places where it deliberately yeah, switches that around, does, so yeah. you have to deal with it. But yeah. yeah. But yeah, basically, each brother is on the control stick, isn't it? So if you normally... Yeah. I, I ended up, as, as long as that brother was on that side of the, the controller, then my brain could eat quite easily function yeah. yep that's that but like you say occasionally there was even a time where i knew that i needed to be pushing the other control stick and still pushing the the control stick i was doing like totally. just move over why are you oh yeah wrong, wrong yeah guy. yeah absolutely now the game the, the things i think are interesting about it are the game very rarely um except when you're actually you know doing some of the the really uh you know white knuckle climbing stuff the game doesn't punish you by just allowing you to walk off most of the edge of most platforms um you know yeah. and most platforms have it's, a solid edge and if they split too far apart they just they both kind of stop and wave to each other and you have to make a decision as to which one I, I found it, it was never actually really an issue because you, so you never really in danger but the only time I, I be, it became a bigger thing was when you were climbing and you had to let go of the trigger to, to yes. do the action and yeah. at that point you're like well and your brain just then freezes like well I thought he was on the left trigger and he was on the right trigger and you know whatever he just it plummets to his death and you remember to get back on the wall the, the correct way that time um, but that's about it because after that opening kind of sequence I take it really slow so it's it's not normally something that I mean I actually found the second time obviously I played it once before so you'd think I'd, I'd had the, the hang of it but I really did the second time I, I just went straight in and it mm. and I think I probably only died once in a, a cliff dive yeah um it's th- there's very little of this game is up against any sort of time pressure at all which is another th- another element of it that makes it feel like a game that isn't made by somebody who normally makes games like i'm I, there's so many sequences in this game that i expect to be harder than they are because because video games you know like yeah. i'm expecting uh, everything to be much more um exacting and and um you know death defying than than they actually are but actually apart from a few notable areas you can really you know those boys will hang on forever if you're holding the right trigger you can take your time and think right trigger release swing over right trigger hold left trigger release you can actually kind of talk at that level whereas it never demands that you kind of get to the point where this stuff is proper you know uh, muscle memory second nature but what I was interested for any of you because I've, I've seen this comment a few times is that they felt that the control method being that and because you do get you know almost inevitably and maybe there's somebody out there who just didn't have any problems with this at all and it was just from minute one they could just do it or or almost straight away but do those moments where one or both of the brothers is doing something silly walking in walking in circles headbutting a column do do they detract from the game to you uh, well, I I think that there's a there's actually a bigger answer to that, um, and I and I think the the way that you control both brothers is absolutely essential to what this game does. In in many respects, I mean, we go straight into spoiling if you want, but the ending is a hundred percent reliant on the control method of the two brothers. The yeah, absolute payoff, the final payoff of this game, you could say the reason the game exists in many respects is by the fact that you control the two brothers the, the way you do it's also 
the fundamental reason why this game doesn't have online co-op or same couch co-op um, it's because these brothers are tied together and they have to be tied together for a moment that happens at the end of the story without that connection then the game would lose a, I think a significant amount of impact um, and interesting actually um, you know, once again looking at the development side of stuff um, he, he said the game would never have been made if anybody said they would have to be co-op in it, it's just, it's as simple right. as that. Like there was never going to be. It's a single-player game, so that control method is, is fundamentally what the game is about. You take that out, the game loses a huge amount of impact of what it actually serves. Now, this game for me, uh, you know, it rings of a number of other games, um, including for various reasons, Fable and Limbo. Mm. But Eco is is a is a touchstone, and of course, that is a one-player game with two characters. But there is an unlockable. Uh, co-op mode in eco or there was outside of the original release anyway um because it doesn't quite have that same payoff but the idea of the connection between the two characters is definitely there and i think the the sort of the atmosphere is not the same um and obviously you know there's a when it comes to atmosphere it's a perception thing but there is a certain when you get deep into the adventure there are certain areas that feel similarly sort of desolate and lonely and things well, like that. Well, they have couches dotted around the game. And so, couches, yeah. So yeah, yeah, I yeah. think they, well, they seats, were definitely... Couch. They definitely were looking <laughs> benches. at... Benches. Yeah, benches, not couches. I mean, <laughs> yeah. all I'm saying is it's clear from that like that detail that they they were looking at Ico as a point of reference for this game. Mm-hmm. So I think mm-hmm. it's fair to you know uh, say that like that those two games have a lot in common. But the well, one at thing least they I... aimed high. You know, the yeah, 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 games yeah. are a lot yeah. worse than, yeah. than actually looking at that title. But true enough. But the one thing I I would say um, in uh, Brothers' favour in comparison to Ico is I think because they've gone with the control scheme they have. Um, like in Ico, Yorda is pretty much useless. Um, you're always like all the puzzles in the game and all the, you know, moments of interactivity, what what have you, are either defending her or trying to get her through an obstacle. Whereas with the two brothers, with the control scheme, it has it's always like this, like. Um, give and take thing like sometimes one brother is better suited at a task than the other and sometimes it's the other way around and I think that builds a stronger relationship between the two characters because in Ico it was very one way whereas this with this control scheme it's like the characters give giving as much as they're taking from the other one it it does fix that problem where we've all had I mean I bring up um, Resident Evil 5 where you know it's Shiva that's Utterly, mm, certainly on sure. the higher difficulty, she's utterly useless because the AI just isn't able to cope with with what's happening around you. I think yeah. the game not having combat is one of the reasons why they could do this. I do, I do wonder if um, if you had to kind of put one of the brothers to a corner while you fought off things, whether it'd be quite as as, as enjoyable. But it it does solve that problem where you know we've had it countless times: AI people doing something stupid <laughs> and actually breaking. That's a pretty damning indictment on gaming AI, Tony. When you're thinking that. The absolute brain melt of controlling a second character with your other but hand. But it's not, isn't it? After, after it's the hour, better than it's, the AI in a game. Yeah, well, it's true. But you know, yeah. it solves that problem, isn't it? Being angry at somebody else doing something. Yeah. But then I remember playing um, Chaos Engine on the Amiga over twenty years ago with an AI partner, and that was actually, you know, they they did quite a convincing job. So it was, it was. Well, it I mean, done, you know, but 
it, it, it can be done, but it depends depends on the game. But yes, there is no. I think for a lot of people, their least favorite element of eco. I'm just going anecdotally here, but was the uh, the fighting of the of the shadow spirits trying to wrestle Yorda away. And there's nothing like that in this. You know, the one there's one bit where you wave with Big Brother. You wave a fiery torch at some walls. They go off after a couple of waves. Um, there's troll. some other. Mo- well, yeah, most of the other combat elements, such as they are, are, are puzzles really more than anything, aren't they? And and, and this is this is a you can't, I would hesitate even to call it a platformer. It's more of a puzzler than anything. I suppose there is an element of almost like of the modern uncharted breed of of platforming when you're scaling rocks and stuff. But it never it never felt like I was platforming so much as puzzling. I suppose. I mean, I think the yeah. thing that I found most refreshing was that the the pacing of the actual game came from the control of the characters as opposed to the completion of the puzzles in the game mm. because none of the puzzles are actually puzzling they're all really straightforward in what you do and yeah, and, I think so. and that's obviously a benefit the actual time consuming body of it is getting both characters accurately from point A to point B and like you said you keep one on the left or one on the right I personally went uh, single file one front one behind and then mirrored the thumbsticks but um yeah. You know that that was the main body of the of the person yeah. of the game, and I thought that yeah, was exactly. really interesting. Yeah, and and if it was a co-op game, then all of those puzzles would just be <laughs> just a yeah. breeze. Like you could get through the mm. game in about an hour, I imagine, if you was a co-op I, partner. I I think I have a slightly different opinion than than a lot of people actually on this. Um, it's it's hard because I actually do really like the game, but I actually think for me the game has a few flaws, um, and. The puzzling is actually one a key one to that, not to derail mm-hmm. the conversation entirely off. Um, but it's, I feel like the game it sits awkwardly between two kind of game, well, two different types of games, gaming styles we have now. I mean, one it feels like it could be a puzzle game, and it's clearly not because the puzzles are you know, ridiculously easy, even with you having to control a second person. Although they they vary up quite often, it it really doesn't feel like it's it's particularly taxing at all they're kind of just there no but gentle gentle puzzle challenges are are still gentle puzzle challenges they're not not there just because they're not incredibly you know obtuse or no but then i wasn't particularly engaged with them either um i felt like i i quite often i wanted more at at the same Hmm. time um the, the, the kind of the you can feel like the filmic elements of the game being there in the way that you have journey where it's very much it's not quite push forward and experience the adventure because there is different aspects to that game but you know mm. we've had other adventures you know I think probably to the extreme and a series of wrath where it's you know just interact with the story and at times for me it felt like you know the, the directoral stuff is you could almost feel like you know sit on the bench look at the, the story stuff and, and taking the atmosphere which is telling you the story and that stuff I, I completely brought into at the same time I, I kind of felt like I didn't get much from the actual game aspects of the game like I, I felt like I really wanted more by the end of it that I could have actually they could have turned it I mean it's a three hour experience but they could have turned it into a six or seven hour experience and actually you know made some really interesting mechanics because it, essentially you have these interesting mechanics which is this massive payoff for the end which is fantastic but I really didn't feel like they gave me much through the actual game adventure so the gameplay side was very much an easy breeze now I'm, I'm not saying that's wrong or right, but for me, it felt like I wanted more from mm. the actual I mean, gaming side of the adventure. How I saw it was, as Leon said earlier, because video games, and it never felt like well, they necessarily maybe. went down that route. I, 
as I saw it, it was me playing a video game equivalent of someone reading me a bedtime story or a, a children's yeah. fairy tale or s- something like that and that that's obviously the, the basis of the title and I thought that that pacing was much friendlier than just doing something for the sake of it being a video game I, th- I think ultimately I think I, I also think the game was much more uh, focused on being like an experiential uh, game rather than a challenging game and so I, I, I didn't mind that the puzzles were easy and and most of the interactivity in the game was a breeze because it, it felt much like Journey. It wasn't about uh, you know challenging the player. It was just about making the player feel certain things and evoking and, certain and tones feel, of emotions. And I completely feel like that's you know I, many of your games. Well, you know you me. There's there's tons of you know, experimental experiences that I love. You know, I'm the first one to say, well, you know, the environment telling me what you know what's going on is is the you know how something I really get off from games on. But just this one, it it seemed like it just went a little further, but didn't quite make it, and like they were a bit confused of of yeah. what they quite wanted. Like you could almost feel Starbreeze wanting to add gaming elements to it, whilst yeah. you had a, an alter saying no, it needs to be this, and there's a, a compromise that's made somewhere in between. It's yeah. and you know, like I say, I I really do like this game, but I even the first time I felt slightly like I, there could have been so much more from the gameplay side now I took loads from many of the other the aspects of the games which we'll talk about but from mm. the actual gameplay side I, I almost wish that they, they didn't include some of the, the puzzles and, yeah. and just kind of pushed me through the adventure and, and I mean, made it into I, a I, story I, 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 they didn't try and replicate Journey though we, Journey already does that. Let this game be its yeah, but own it, game. It, it, and yeah, yeah. and I, th- I thought they actually worked together quite well. Like I, like I say, it has the mm. puzzles in there, but they're never tough. They're never time-consuming. They're just merely a gaming element, but it, it actually benefits the player because there's at least a little bit of challenge. It tells the story whilst you're doing it. You know, yeah, from yeah. from you... You know, you're saying the payoff comes at the end from having the two characters, but the payoff's arguably right at the start where you actually... You have two characters who don't speak any language that you understand. That it's it's far closer to Simlish than it is anything you know human. And yet we know all their personalities from oh, the way completely. they interact I, I, off I, I, the world. I, I'm and, with you and, every step of the way on that aspect. And, it's brilliant. And this is this this is where this whole gaming element comes from because journeys sort of, journey is purely being the journey and and. Having brothers just be the journey. What, what's the point? We've already got that. It's, it's, yeah, yeah, you know, yeah. But they were made. I, they, I, it's I, not like one saw the other and you know went or oh, avoid that. It's I, just games being made. Well, I'd be pretty sure that that actually brothers did see Journey and think, yeah, we will avoid that. <laughs> I, I, I'm finding myself agree with both uh, Carl and Tony uh, during this discussion because I do actually understand what Tony's saying. Like, I do think brothers in a lot of ways is kind of caught between being a full-on, you know, a game game and being something similar to Journey. It is kind of like a in-between. But I also agree with Carlin that I kind of like the fact that it's just like yeah. a, a, a weird hybrid between the two because there aren't actually that many games like this which are, are trying to balance both aspects I, of I gaming. I'll, I'll explain maybe more in a in a kind of scene type stuff. So 
instead of uh, whenever it, it seems that they they get to a point where they're like, well, we don't quite know how a puzzle section would work here, such as you know climbing high up onto the mountain, so the troll comes along, and and you know every time there's a a slightly more challenging ledge that would need to be done the game takes over and just does that for you it's it's very much the uncharted way well we have a scene that we want to know how to portray it so we're going to take a little bit of control over the player and kind of just push you through that I did, like i said it's not something that i i hated at all it's just i i came to the end of brothers thinking do you know what if if this was a longer experience and if this was more of a gamey experience i don't think it would have been any less of a game at the end with the payoff and the story and the way that it visually tells a story and the simulation and all that stuff. I think if it had extra gamey elements in there, I honestly don't think any of that stuff would have been less impactful. It would have just been a longer adventure. Now, of course, I'm, I may be wrong and I like the fact that it was three hours and I could sit down and play it in one sitting. It has many, many positives, but I know I'm not the only one that, that you know walked away from, from thinking... I wonder if they could have just done a little bit more on the actual game side. Um, I think the most important thing to me was that, although I, I commented and actually probably arguably used it as a criticism and something I knocked a star off of my my review for was the overall easiness of the game. You know, this was bearing in mind the audience that I was writing that review for and thinking, hang on, this is a £10 game that I'm going to finish in three hours with no real challenge whatsoever. And I did want to, to point that out. But the the key point for me is... I really enjoyed all of the puzzles, even though they were never terribly taxing. A lot of them made me smile. They just had a a pleasing uh, flow and logic Mm. to them that even if, you know, there was a lot of, there's a huge amount of um, convenience in this world. Now, every video game world has this, but this, sometimes it's really glaring. And in a way, that's more of an issue for me, like, you know, the in the the valley of the dead giants just so happens that the axe is is in the exactly the yeah. right place to chop the leg of that you know you just it just so happens that everything's just the right distance apart for them to swing and jump on it's got all that now of course that has to be the case in any video game the, you know the the world is designed for the player for the for their avatars but um some games mask it better than others and this one really doesn't but again in a way it didn't diminish anything for me one thing that perhaps did diminish things for me a little although again I have mixed feelings because I probably would have hated it if I'd been punished any harder but the the there was a lack of peril because obviously you know we, we've talked about this before games like Trials and Super Meat Boy with the super quick restart where you know you don't get frustrated and you want to just carry on not like the old days where you had to press 14 buttons and wait for a loading screen to get to start again this game barely acknowledges your death I mean the, there's a slight loading pause um, but you know you can be you can be doing the most you know outrageously death defying stuff um, you know flying a hang glider that you've only just got hold of down <laughs> down an almighty valley or or clambering across some arcane structure underground and you fall off and then it's just instead of you know any kind of emotional payoff at this point to like oh my god i've just killed the one of the brothers it's just like oh uh, screen fade to black I mean, off you go again i think the counter to that is that the first and foremost the story was priority yeah. Um, mm. That game was made that every player who starts that game can finish that game and experience the story. It, it, sure. it, it carries the same amount of peril as a children's bedtime story. It goes, mm. it goes from the beginning to the end, regardless. And and it's the same thing. There's a massive amount of convenience there is in every story. Um, mm. And for me, I thought that was. Um, I mean, you you say you knocked the star off. 
I'd be the opposite. I put a star on <laughs> for, <laughs> for that Fair reason. Enough. Um, you know, it, it's. I suppose it's each to their own. For me, I thought it was a bold move to go story first, uh, video game. You know, in sort of the inverted commas, sort of video game mm. second uh, in a video game because it's interesting and and. Like Josh said, there are, there are a lack of games like this, and and I don't think it's any coincidence that the ones I always sort of long for, long after I've played them, are the games. Obviously, we've mentioned Journey, uh, Eco, um, Knights would be another one, um, which it, is it, it, you know it just progresses nicely, and 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 this they all sort of mm. fall into that yeah, same criteria quite where, where it, it wants to be. Yeah, it's it's very it's more of a visual. Story than than an actual story. Story. Uh, uh, my experience of playing through Eco, and for that reason, it's why I fondly remember it. Um, it I, I, I do love a, a good bit of story. I'll be honest. It's interesting that you say it puts story first and gameplay second because the gameplay in this game is so important to the story. Mm-hmm. Like um, there are yeah. so many so many story driven games out there, really good story driven games, where the story might as well be separate from the interactivity. Um, you know, I mean, I, I'm not going to name names, but people at home can think of plenty of examples. But uh, this Metal game, Gear. like the mechanics, <laughs> yeah, Metal Gear is a good one. But um, <laughs> the mechanics are central to the narrative that Completely. this game is trying to. Yeah, set I, to, I, I know what you're saying. Yeah, so I, it's to me, it's more, it's it's less that the game puts uh, story first and gameplay second, and more that it says, look, the gameplay has to be a part of the story. Like it cannot, be, they cannot be separate. They are the same thing for the experience we're trying to create. I think what I should have said to describe it better was that the controls are there to push the story. The story isn't there to push the control set. And that yes, I'd I agree with that. Yes, yeah, I'd agree Nicely with that. Put. Yeah, I also think. Um, sorry, back to the, the the what's good about the the gameplay, <laughs> such as it is, as in the puzzles. Um, for me, is the variety. Now, again, you could if you if you took the the, the skin off the game away and uh, you know just did the reductionist thing, you could say, well, actually, they are all kind of pulling and pushing. But again, to do with the way they're dressed up, whether it be you know firing a crossbow or or um, rolling turtles about obviously that's an optional one something like this but rather than the old you know the, the, talking about like an old Tomb Raider game or even Eco to a point the puzzles in those older games tended to be you know push the blocks into the right position and you know get <laughs> I think Eco had some more variety than that but do you know what I mean? This game had more... It felt like you were doing more different things This and, and surprises it, it, me because a little spoiler one of the feedback on the show is that they stated that they felt they were all the same and I mm. couldn't have disagreed more because I'm very mm. much with you Leon. Similar. I never felt like I did the same thing twice mm. by, by the climbing of the rocks vertically you push games yeah, yeah, yeah. twice you, I mean, there is different well that's there, not there are, there okay, are. You, you push a gate open twice no, yeah but they, they are all roughly similar actions so the, I mean if I go back and I've played obviously the game twice now like none of that, none of the puzzles particularly stick out on my mind, other than the ones which, ironically, are, are, are attached to achievements. So like they're they're interesting mechanical stuff that you do to to see something different that's interacting with the world. Like for one, if I can think where that that hang glider is, um, you play a tune on top of the uh, the thing in that really cool kind of 
whatever the wind tune maker thing. The you know, I like that. Yes. Yeah, because that, or even some of the achievements like picking up, you know, getting the sheep and, and turning it into a, a black sheep and great. stuff like that. But, I mean, it's... one of the things, the the, the ones that, that most fondly remembered for me are the, the uh, joining together by the rope had me yeah. grinning like an idiot as I'm swinging yeah. with a put the, with that rhythm of trigger on trigger off you know that that whole getting mm. it right and yeah. and the chopping down the trees with the giant bandsaw I thought yeah, that, that worked mm. very yeah, well really carrying that. the pipe through the tight areas yeah 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 it's so easy again that like that is a great example of a puzzle that in any number of other games even professor layton not that you'd have the exact same mechanics but you know what i mean if you came across a puzzle like that get the get the four block long object through the gears of war place with the things yeah <laughs> those type of though yeah they did, they did yeah and that was hard um, to call. No, normally those things go on for ages and you might fail a few times or get completely stuck enough you know have to reset in a in a in a puzzle classic puzzle type game in Leighton. In this, you work it out pretty much straight away. It kind of feels like you're moving um, a roll of carpet into a new house with a friend. But in a way, I found that really appealing rather than the, oh, God, I don't know how to get past this bit. I just want, you know, you're in these dwarven, um, sorry, troll mines or whatever, and you just want to see the next vista and the next bit of machinery that you're going to cling on to and, 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 uh, and swing by. And, and for me, that was, yeah, the, again, the pacing just works for me. I, I think... I think why that works is because a lot of those moments, the moments where you're, you know, you're connected by the rope and you're on the hang glider and stuff, they only happen once, and so you're you're not given a chance to get bored of them. Mm-hmm. Um, so, like, yeah, that rope sequence—it's not, you know, immensely challenging, but it's really novel for how long it lasts for. Just having—it's a little inconceivable as well. Yeah. I mean, the, you know, the sort of the weight of the big brother hanging from the little brother yeah. with it while he's clinging onto his fingertips and all and, that. But again, it's just too much fun to and care more about. Importantly, I think is that you're realism. you are attached to your brother at those points. Um, you know, yes, absolutely. And I, so yeah. quite often with it, you know, if it's a I'd call a standard puzzle where you need to kick a rope down for your brother to climb up, I still feel like my you know the control were very much separate from being attached to my brother I was just doing emo- you know, a, a, an emotion oh no that's wrong an action with um, one of my brothers to you know allow my other brother to continue forward where those moments where you're actually attached to each other or holding an object together you're actually having to really think about okay how do I move these two control sticks and or when do I let go here and there rather than just do a single action move to the next brother continue on so I think they're, they're probably the ones that stand out the most we should probably dial back a bit and sort of explain the setup. I mean, when, like, we don't tend to go through stories uh, scene by scene anymore these days because it takes too long and it can be a bit dull for people who've already played them. But I think with this game, it's important to sort of pan out at least the, the basic scenario and kind of some of the journey they go on. So um, from research, you, you're never told this, uh, but the, the brothers are, I mean, they say they say it, so you could work it out, but they're called Nai and Naya or Nya. <laughs> Um, you start off with the young boy who is orange little brother, floppy-haired boy. Um, he is uh, remembering the death of his mother at sea. It's, I mean, it's a pretty, you know, it's a pretty dark and dramatic start for for any game. Um, and then, you know, things are already bad. They 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 get pretty much stay bad when um, you find out that uh, you're the figure who's obviously your father is seriously ill he's got uh, he's got that thing in games and films that means that you're ill which is he's coughing and he's lying down um, and it's made apparent that you need to get 
some you know magic water from a magic tree the tree of life if you will um again not specifically said um and that you have to go on a quest for this stuff um starting off at your your own village um which you know is a pleasant um folky fairy taleish scandinavian type village um early challenges include a, a local bully type figure and and a yappy dog um but as you go on through different areas through um you know darkened caves and and forests uh, you then you start facing trolls and wolves and um and sinister tribes and uh yeah so let let's um Yes, early on, uh, it's simply a case of doing, you know, relatively mundane things like waking a sleeping girl up by getting the cheeky young scamp brother to throw a, a bucket of water over him, and and then using, you know, that's with that's with the little brother's interact button, the, the right trigger, and then the older brother with his left trigger um, shows him the map, and there's a lot of pointing and going through gates and working out where to go. Um, as I say, this young bully cuts off their path um, and makes them. Uh, this you learn early on. Was it exactly? I can't remember exactly which point, but fairly early on, you learn that um, because of his horrific experiences of failing to save his mother from drowning, little brother uh, is not keen on the water at all and has to cling to his older brother's back to swim. This obviously this becomes uh, a, a huge thing later on. Um, but yes, the. The scene is set that older brother is slightly more serious and mature. Um, so although what Josh was saying earlier is right, that um, they both have their roles to play, little brother can squeeze through tight gaps and, and all that sort of thing. Um, big brother is the one who gives him bunk-ups and pulls the heavier levers and things like that. I also really I appreciated that the early game kind of concentrated on just putting these characters in very... Um, relatable situations like nothing too crazy early on like the bully and the dog and the stuff like that because it allowed you to get a sense of who the two characters were very quickly mm. um in a very real world context um like i i love I, I love the way they um handle the you know the guard at the, at the bridge and stuff like that because my first thought was just to have the big brother go up to him and show him the map and then the guards just go, go away, just go away. And and I think that said a lot about me. There's, I was like, okay, always try to reason with people first, and mm. have uh, have the big brother who knows what he's talking about to try and help people out. Um, and and I was completely surprised, and the little brother just chucked a bucket of water all over him. Um, and all of that stuff really. Um, I think it informs the stuff that happens later on. It informs why the characters uh, react the way they do to certain situations. Um, the, the the younger brother is the more creative, more you know, the wild spirit, whereas the you know the the, uh, the older brother is trying to be mature. And there are certain situations where his um, his want to be mature is actually a hindrance to both mm. of them. And um, especially later on, uh, which will get yes, to it actually yes, it pretty much uh, yeah causes his uh, his downfall yeah, and almost theirs. Um, so quite early on, uh, when you first off into the mountains, anyway, um, they come across a large uh, troll with uh, fungi growing out of his back, which would be gross if he wasn't a troll. Um, 
but uh, he is sad. He's very sad. Um, and uh, I guess it sort of turns out that they're both going the same way. But the troll's nice, so he helps them uh, by turning himself. This this reminds me a little of Papo and Yo, which, again, I, I imagine, I, I don't know how much they would have informed each other. Papo and Yo came out first, but um, the sort of the large creature helping the, the smaller um protagonists to to get around um but yes this is where they end up in this um underground lair where seemingly some trolls imprison other trolls uh and uh make them do their their mining and bidding but um mrs troll is mrs troll is trapped in a cage and this is where the uh there's there's this buggy puzzle we mentioned earlier but if it works uh it's quite you know again one of the many simple but fun puzzles where you simply lure uh, the the nasty troll guard into the cage before trapping him. It's a it's a there's a bit of um, head scratching skill with the with the two sticks and a little bit of timing, um, and then a slightly tougher version of of a similar puzzle comes later when you have to uh, actually get a pit of doom. Pit, a troll, yeah, a troll to go into the pit of doom, which you have to get him to charge about the arena to. Uh, smash these chains and then um, and then when he's finally hanging on the, the precipice you then have to get both brothers to lift his fingers up at the same time <laughs> again a great I thought a great example of an obvious but again pleasing solution to yeah. a puzzle yeah and that reunites the trolls and that 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 was one thing I wanted to mention. There are lots of nice little touches throughout this game. You know, the, these trolls give each other a hug. It's like after the the amusing but very very brief, like so many of these sections, a uh, goat section where you ride on the mountain goats and again improbably hopping up these ridiculous ledges at a crazy pace. They make sure that the goats trot back down to where they were before. It's stuff like that that I think they don't just sort of you know abandon them. Well, I, I, you know, Carl talked about like defying expectations, and once again, I think the trolls are a, a classic example of that. You know, trolls in in modern literature and and film it film are always these ridiculous dumb things that you know get banged on the head or you know look between their legs as the the small thing runs between them. It, they're just you know generally laugh out loud moments. Um, and here they actually, you know, they they use it that you actually feel quite sympathetic towards uh, the, the troll that's trapped in the cage, and you know you, you don't really understand why that would be the case. But once they're, they're reunited, it is a moment of ah, oh, yeah, the the cool troll lady and and the guy, and they're gonna ha- and he helps you get to the you know basically the next scene. Um, yeah, yeah, and like I said, defies expectations because you really think that you know the, the troll's either gonna try to hit you or eat you. He doesn't. He turns out to be a nice guy. Yeah, um, and somewhere along this, I mean, th- this co- this plays into the uh, the conversation that we must have about the achievements or trophies, um, which is that they are all completely optional and uh, utterly missable. Um, there are no story-led achievements or trophies whatsoever. I don't believe um, you could play through the entire game and not get any. It would be unlikely because at least some of these things you're probably going to try. Um, they're all relatively easy to get, um, but yeah, you can just walk on by. Um, some of them are very cute and sweet, um, such as the nature of the game, such as the reuniting the three baby turtles on the ice flows with the mama turtle. Oh, the lovebirds. Others, yeah, the lovebirds. Mm. Um, you you come across a caged bird early on. The, uh, again, this is a, a good example of the the thing you can the story that it's telling about the the brothers. The big brother just goes up and kind of looks at it and you know gestures at it. Uh, interact with the cage with the little brother and he's like no you must be free and (laughs) opens the cage and the bird flies off Um, and that pays off later on if you but only if you point your telescope in the right place Um, but an early one of these a relatively early one is um, is 
pretty pretty sad, pretty dark stuff. Um, all of pretty much every single one is a literal branching path off the main path. Um, I mean, this is a very linear game, other than these little branches. Let me guess: this um, really sad ones when you steal the basketball off the girl and throw it down the well. That's throw it down mean. the well, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> that was surprisingly mean, actually. Um, you can. I was disappointed there was no achievement for um, actually scoring a hoop, which you can we all do. Tried it. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, Yes, no, this will be the um this will be the one where you, you adjust as you come across a man just down the the slope from where you're walking. Uh he's uh, hanging himself. Um and as you walk down you notice why. That's because his probably his wife and child are have burned to death in a house fire. Um now I think this is I mean this is an interesting moral question anyway. Like the boys decide uh, proactively um, and unilaterally, no, not unilaterally, dualaterally, to um, to save this man from his suicide, um, regardless of what's happened to him. I mean, whether that's their decision to make, I don't know. But uh, again, I like the puzzle. The the, the big brother uh, keeps the rope slack while little brother goes and unties him, sort of thing. So then you've got this utterly distraught man who's who you've just prevented from putting himself out of his misery. Um, and actually, the first time I played it, that's what I did. I walked off at that point because I didn't know the payoff oh. to the puzzle. So I was like, "Just leave." Crying, well, that man. was, w- yeah. So that's weird. Um, I've left a broken. Then, man. yeah, yeah. But actually, there's a you need to uh, kind of clamber around the re- the wreckage of his life and find a music box, um, which somehow Probably comforts him. His daughter, um, yeah, something like that. Um, and then it cuts away and you leave him uh, grieving, but somehow slightly um, <laughs> comforted <laughs> at the graves of his... Uh, where you can, again, a nice touch, I think. Uh, uh, there's a lot of, you know, there's, there's a fair amount of death in this game and y- you can often interact with the scene by simply... Um, you you make the brothers basically pay their respects by bow- holding their hands together and bowing their heads. Things like that. It's very sweet. But, yeah, that was, you know... that. That was quite a, a strong moment, I thought, it's, early on. It's odd that they choose that to be an optional thing, because if, if I think back to this game, they're, they're really the scenes that, that really jar in my mind. Not jar, but you know, are a mm. positive thing in my mind when I think mm. about this game. That being one of them in particular, where I think if I just walked past that, I'd have been really miffed when I heard people talking about it. Because it's mm. a really... Mm. It, it's How often do you... Do you rescue a man hanging, for one? And certainly with the mechanic of both brothers needed to, to do that. Um, and then the ultimate payoff with the music book. I mean, that's that's it's really touching. Um, so you, yeah, I'd be really upset if people do just you know miss that right hand path and, and go up to the left. I I think you you kind of see it in the corner of the eye. It'd be very hard to to walk past. But you know, shame it's not on the path. Yeah, most of them lure you. Um, the ones I missed, I think, first time through, apart from the second half of that one, were was the uh, the whale, the one, the ones where you sing at the whales from from that bench in the snow. Um, I didn't go up that high. I just found the bandsaw and then was like, okay, puzzle on. Didn't didn't notice that there. Um, there were a couple of others that I went back to get today. Um, oh, the the secret, the behind the curtain one where you take the boat uh, get. Yeah, take the boat round the corner into under the bloody waterfall. Um, right. Again, that area is uh, is the scene of. Uh, I mean, that that's that's an interesting story point that we'll come back to. But that, that I think that puzzle is is is, a, is a, it's almost a shame how telegraphed they made it. Um, with the uh, it show there's like a some uh, there's a tribe of regular sized people after you've come through all these uh, dead giants. And they are appear to be about to sacrifice this woman. 
Um, and they're at the, the front of this scene, there's there's uh, sort of two fountains of blood and an, some obvious iconography of a bigger figure with a smaller figure on its head. And I wondered if that that, that solution is so staring you in the face I wondered if they tried to do that section without something so obvious and they ended up making the solution so obvious here's the thing that's really uh, you're saying (laughs) that it was really really obvious I spent ages stuck on that puzzle having no idea what I was meant to do and slapped myself on the forehead when I finally saw that uh, that image of the uh, taller figure and the smaller figure so I I do think they did have to make it that obvious because (laughs) it just stood out, it just stood out to me for whatever reason Um, actually to be fair I'm pretty sure that the first time I did it I didn't douse myself in blood which is kind of um, foreshadowed earlier where you you know, you climb under a, a bloody waterfall. These these areas are gushing with the blood. If of people dead didn't think that this game was surprisingly dark before now, the whole put <laughs> yeah, yourself yeah. in a it waterfall come off of like that, blood. It's, it's <laughs> yeah, it still has has the whimsy uh, somehow. But yeah, but, um, um, actually, going back to the the, the hanging moment mm, in, in particular, mm. once again, I think that a lot of that comes back to the Joseph Fares in in, in talking about. He obviously had scenes in his mind written out that would be, you know, he, he thinks would be quite impactful. And then mm. they've got to find a way to, to get those scenes into the game. And, you know, seeing this interview, I, I think the game was very much littered with a lot more of those, you know, more impactful scenes. And they yeah. were either dialed back because they couldn't work out a gameplay mechanic to introduce them into the story, or just for, you know, purely pacing, you know, if you maybe have less scenes like maybe, that, they're more yeah, impactful. Yeah, the less. Yeah, exactly. It'll be. I'm, I'm assuming that something as serious as suicide, yeah. um, you know, it, it have as few of those as possible makes that so much more impacting. Mm. No, but I think that's that's where you know, obviously, him being a bit more daring about what he wants to see in this game, and rather than a game developer thinking, well, we can't, we don't really want to deal with suicide in our game, let alone the consequences of. Well, you know, I mean, I think that's the thing. Starbreeze are. are at this point, they're probably notoriously brave in the decisions that they've made in games. You know, we we talked about the the choices that they made in the darkness, um, yeah, which was yeah. very bold at the time. You know, um, the the decision that they made with the co-op in in Syndicate in particular, um, which is a shame because obviously, like anybody who's written Syndicate off from playing the single player, go and listen to our podcast and find out why you should give it another go. And obviously, in this, they've made you know very visual. Uh, very uh, visually brave with some of the moves they made in this game. Yes, the, the those Scandinavians famous for their um, bold uh, approach to to darker material. Thinking of filmmakers like Bergman and things mm. like that. Um, anyway, um, and and also let's not let's not underestimate the uh, the music, Gustav Grefberg's music in certainly terms of storytelling not, as well. Certainly, let's not underplay it because that is an absolute stellar score. It really, I got to admit, the first time I played through, it it didn't have as much of an impact. But playing it again and thinking about, you know, that that was playing it for a review for a certain sort of audience. But playing the game again for thinking about Kane and Rince and thinking more about my own response to it rather than it being for a job, I realised that although it's it's not always subtle, but it's subtle a lot of the time. Um, when it isn't subtle, it's really striking. There are moments of pace, um, you know, kind of almost bombastic moments. But 
a lot of the time it's quite underplayed um and uh, yeah i absolutely loved it and i think it's absolutely crucial for for helping to tell well, the story because you've ultimately got these really quite simplistic character models um and they have sort of fable gesticulate fable-esque gesticulations and stuff and they hug and that's touching and things like that but a lot of the story is told through the music i think i love the music in this game for the exact same reasons that i loved the music in something like journey um, it it never, it's it's something. It never takes center stage. Um, it it never rises above what you're playing, um, and and it's so wonderfully subtle um, and and underplayed in the background of what you're doing. But it feels like every area that you're in, it belongs naturally, um, like it it should be there as, as you're exploring those lands. It makes sense for that music to be there, and it, it's hmm. just. Beauty is a truly beautiful. I, I think it helps as well. The, the game, although it's really very tightly pathed and linear, um, and the, but it feels a lot more open than that. Although you are going down a very linear path, there's normally a really big draw distance or a view that that you're walking through. That they mm. put a lot of effort into creating not only the the area that you're in, but also a massive external world that you feel like you know if you, if you could, you could walk across that valley and, and get there. They're never going to allow you to, but I, I think you know all the art assets and the time and effort that was to create these you know gorgeous in you know backgrounds that are, um, are not just you know feel very much like paint. Some games feel very much painterly, like you know they're just, they're just there. They, they feel like they're alive, like clouds are moving and the birds are fluttering around, and it feels very much like it's a world. Um, you know, a lot of games like this, they they just create you know because they go well. This, you know, skybox very type much skybox yeah. man, but yeah. here it, the yeah. the music really. Um, goes well with you know the, the more kind of epic what the, the game you know, looks from a distance uh, um, also it's talking about you, you know, watching your father play it, um, you know my wife sat there and watched me play through the game and, and she, you know she mm. doesn't like spiders so there, there was one particular bit that she wasn't overly keen with the limbo but, issue um, yeah we'll, we'll talk about that in a bit because it's relevant to the end of the um, she really got caught up by I want to call him the Griffin bird, but it's not a Griffin. But you know, Griffon. Griffon. It's a, it's, yeah, it's like yeah, like an owl, uh, owl, yeah, owl bird type. And I, I guess that's. Yes, but the they're, they're adorable. So I guess it's the cruelty <laughs> to pet things because it's not only a cage bird, but it's a cage bird that's either been left there for a very long time and it's yeah, malnourished, but it's, it's bleeding and it's it's not very well at all. And you know, it, no. And it's almost in its its last breaths. It, it allows you to climb on its back, and it it, it takes you ultimately to the the you know, the next era, the troll land, uh, or yeah. troll land, the giant land, giant land. Yeah. Um, and by which point it collapses. And I, Liz, bless her, she she was kind of in tears. And it's you know it's Aww. but it's so simple, it's so utterly oh yeah effortlessly effective. So well that moment. I mean, I've said before. I think I've actually said it on this podcast that I'm. I think when I stated it that I'd never been affected emotionally by a video game in my life which is bizarre because if anyone knows me when it comes to movies or hell even a good advert you know I can get emotional about it but <laughs> never in a video game don't don't forget there are there are other emotions like happiness and joy you've definitely had those um, in video games before so yeah I, I mean but never it, it's, otherwise why it's would you never play never nailed sadness I'd right. see you as a blank before. slate at this point but, then. but um <laughs> Yeah, that's, that's basically what goes on in my head a lot of the time. But um, that moment with the Griffin was definitely one of maybe at a push three moments in video gaming that has ever emotionally sort of captured the moment for me. 
uh, in, 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 in a brief. moment of sadness and that is why it's because you realise that you don't sort of realise how injured it is until it, it takes a while to climb to its feet and then it flies you and then it's sort of the surprise of the collapse and the fact that it then mm. shows the older brother holding the feather on the floor and, and he remembers his father going fishing with his father because you realise as you're playing that the older brother actually has a stronger bond with his father and the younger brother had a stronger bond with his mother time than he to... lost yeah mm. yeah and um just the sort of the 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 visuals of seeing just the, the griffin you know sort of fall and you think its last act was to reward you for rescuing him was i just thought it was absolutely perfect mm. how it handled and there's a, there's a there's a there's a payoff which comes later as well um, to yes. that. Um, well, I, su- I assume it's sort of a payoff. Um, I don't. It, it's never explained again, but it's it's a beautiful moment. Um, so we should come to that. Um, time is is cracking on. So um, if I can bring us back to the point where we've uh, we've we've rescued this uh, innocent maiden from the clutches of a of a scary tribe, um, and uh, she leads us out of the. Uh, this through a through a frosty lake past these sort of rather um, flamboyant orca type creatures that you have to avoid having your boat tipped up um and uh, past the past uh, the tomta through the snow village yeah through the snowy village which features a lot of sort of uh, this reminded me of like um you know after pompeii with the with where the where in that people were you know um frozen by by lava and you know turned to ash basically in 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 this there there are all these figures who are um, basically, sort of snowmen and women and children. Features a comical um, moment of where you hide behind them, which actually had me laugh. Yeah, I mean that's a that's a great example of one of those puzzles of insane convenience where you the 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 invisible mo- monster. Which, and by the way, you know you might think an invisible monster is is a is a graphical cop out, but it worked completely for me. I found it much scarier than a n other big monster lung- lumping towards me. You know. Um, you get through through here eventually um, after a number of other puzzles, and uh, and this is where, in celebration, uh, the woman sort of you know hugs older brother, and uh, and he's like, oh hello, feelings are stirring, and um, from that point on, she's pretty much uh, able to coerce him. Uh, against little brother's will to take a path finally which is away from the these you know the described path as per the map that they've been following all this way um and into a cave um and uh after a, after a brief crawl um the uh, the woman reveals her true form which uh, Carl pointed out before the show is a is a traditional Scandinavian uh folklore it's rather than a a, a succubus or something it's a a huldra uh, so uh, yeah, uh, uh, basically a, a a mean woman who poses yeah, I mean, as it's, it's a, a spider woman. As, um, a dangerous seductress who lives in a forest. The holder is said to lure men down into endless cave systems. Yeah, uh, she turns into a big nasty spider um, and sort of balls them up in a web. In you know, like we've seen in Lord, Lord of the Rings with Frodo and Shelob and and things like that, and of course in Limbo. Um, but this time, the, the the twist is that um, little brother stays balled in an orb of web and is able to again. It's sort of it, you could almost say it's a little comical, but uh, but at the time you're going, oh my god, the woman's turned into a spider, um, and you have to basically knock the woman over before she um, kills Pull and eats or whatever. 
uh, yeah, and again, in a similar style to Limbo, um, you have to pull the pull the Spider Woman's legs off. But just as you do the the last one, uh, Big Brother gets his uh, abdomen pierced by one of her poisonous barbs. I assume it's poisonous, um, leading to uh, yeah, leading Little Brother to have to to help him out. Um, fortunately, they are right at the very point at the end of their quest. Um, which is kind of handy. I guess. I guess um, she was at least honest, and she was saying that her tunnel network was a shortcut to the uh, <laughs> to the, to the place they wanted to go. Um, I thought the Tree of Life is a, a beautiful set, as you, uh, if you would. Um, but yes, it it comes down to it's it's really brief this sequence. I, I was expecting some huge laborious climb, but it's not really. Um, it's it's pretty quick. Uh, little brother goes up. The, the music picks up pace because you know it's a, a battle against time you get to the the pool of really inviting looking sort of magical blue liquid water the water of life or whatever fills his flask slides back down helter skelter style on the inside of the trunk gets back to his brother in time no not in time little uh, little brother comes back to find that big brother will not be woken um and yeah, uh, it's quite. A, it's the scene of him sort of frantically pouring this elixir yeah, of over life and over again. Into, into his old yeah. brother's mouth in the hope that it might just sort of kick in and save him. Yeah. It's, it's always, you know, you, you could see how it could be quite heart wrenching as as the moment because obviously you, this little brother at the start of the game, you realise he was there when he lost his mother and and he's got this incredible mm. bond with his brother that, that you know is been throughout the whole game and, he, and he's desperately sort of shaking his brother trying to you know bring him back out but it's obviously too late yeah and uh, that's quite you know, it's quite lengthy oh, that that scene any any other less brave maybe you know, I don't want to spoil other games but I can think of other games where mm-hmm. you know don't spoil no, other games we got in yes, trouble for that, that. <laughs> I can think of other games where they fail to to deliver on the the death of a character um, and the the fact that you know the life elixir, you know, you, you can almost see it. That's, as they, I mean, another part of the scene is that you you end up having to bury your brother, but you can almost yeah. feel like years of in any minute he's gonna cough, and it, it, don't worry, he'll, yeah, he'll be fine. Yeah. And that final dig, and you, you bury him in his grave, and he's not fine. He he is dead. Um, yeah, and. That reminded me of the uh, the. Uh, I mean, it's it's kind of harder in a way because it's you didn't know the animal in question. But there's there's the burying the dog sequence in season one of the of the Walking Dead. But it's a similarly drawn out process. Only this is worse because this is the brother that you've spent the entire game being symbiotic. Yeah, and and this is back where right at the very start of the, of the podcast, I talked about the controls being absolutely necessity to this game because all mm. of a sudden, and actually, I don't really think it it dawned on me all the time I was going up to get the life water that I. Saw wasn't controlling two characters. I was like, need to get the water going up there, going there. But it's the scene afterwards. You know, once you you realise that you are you know, disattached from him and you're burying him, and eventually you end up back at home. And you know, you, it's there's this almost freeing moment that I, I'm not attached to him, but a massive loss at the same time. Really hard to to get your head around mm. it. You know, it it was always that case of it'd be nice if I was just controlling one of these guys but okay this is the game and when they finally give you that it's 
there's a massive loss because you have been controlling even for a short period of time he's become a part of you a part of the you know the muscle memory of, of what you're doing you you instantaneously fall into okay i know how to control a character because you've been doing it for years but suddenly not to have that extra layer is is well i that's you know you, you can see that i mean ultimately that's the payoff that's been coming now they do another payoff which well firstly uh it's the the, the griffon mention i'm uh, mm-hmm. moment i mentioned before uh where at, at this point just at uh just as little brother is at his lowest ebb um a, a new um and uh perfectly healthy griffon appears and arrives at this point we can only assume you know some sort of te- telepathic telepathic magic is is at work or afoot or something but it doesn't matter the, the 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 logic the science behind it is irrelevant it's the way that it arrives and wraps its soft looking feathery wing around little brother just when he needs it is a beautiful moment uh, then you get probably the yeah one of the again a, a slightly longer cut sequence um, of uh, of little brother being flown back across the land that he's you know struggled it's kind of a Gandalf eagle moment in that you're thinking if only this Griffon had turned up at the start <laughs> yeah. would have saved a lot of uh, my brother wouldn't be dead a lot, a lot of trouble it's that scene as mm. well where you know obviously we mentioned at the start that the, the, the PS3 version is the worst looking but you know, as you've been flown through, and I was playing it on the PS3, you realise what a beautiful game this is. As it flies past all the areas that you've traversed through to get there, um, you know, and you see it from all the angles as he's sort of flying you back to the village. Um, it's actually pretty jaw-dropping. Um, the 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 visual design, and, and you sort of see it really firsthand there because it's pretty much the only time in the whole game where you get to sit back for a, a period of time and and really sort of see the world without being the one controlling it yeah and obviously at this point you're really anti you know that you know well i don't know whether he's supposed to have gone back up and got another (laughs) another flask of magic water uh elixir of life it doesn't matter really but um you want to you know you want him now you're desperate for little brother to get back because he's lost his mum and his brother you really don't want him to lose his dad as well what an utterly downbeat ending that would even compared to the one that we actually get um but Griffon again, um, instead of dropping him off at the door, <laughs> <laughs> drops him off, drops him off at the uh, at, at, at the nearby beach, and this opens up the moment that will be mentioned by almost everyone who's ever played this game. It comes up; it's going to come up in our correspondence that you're going to hear shortly. Um, you're faced with after a, a very brief uh, bit of normal hopping and platforming, uh, a expanse of water. And uh, as we know all too well, Little Brother uh, doesn't deal with water too well and has had to be helped through uh, every single stretch of water uh, up to this point. Now, I can't remember exactly how long it took me to work the solution out. I suspect it was probably 10 seconds, 20 seconds. But it was long enough to make the impact of pressing the right trigger and invoking the power from within Little Brother of his absent dead brother... uh, powerful and it absolutely i know you know it's it's one of these things now i think uh, the very few negative comments we've had about this game have been you know sort of like overhyped i was expecting it to you know blow me away and make me cry and i think it's a real problem we've talked about it before expectations and you know high review scores and people saying you will feel stuff playing this game but but, let's be honest it's it's well it's just it's just yeah it's just a 
it's just a perception anyway but it, it is hard if it's like going to watch Breaking Bad now or something like that everyone said it's the best thing ever in the world and you've got to love it because everybody loves it it's difficult it can make things yes. difficult but I'm going to talk about this I played this I hadn't, I'd only seen that one edge review which I'd skim read when I played this moment and it affected me I didn't I wasn't you know I wasn't like in a, a curl, curled up in the fetal position sobbing my heart out but it was like wow that's really cool I like the I like the puzzle in terms of a gaming puzzle the way it makes you think and also that yeah the emotional impact of wow yeah he's spent all the time crossing this land going through the all these trials and ardors with his brother and now he has the inner strength because he has to get back to his father with the elixir of life he has to do it and i thought that was great anyone else you kind of summed up my thoughts to yep. be honest <laughs> so yeah yeah, that, Good. that's it. Well, that's plenty of yeah, that's it. Done. <laughs> <laughs> We've got plenty more uh, correspondents saying the same thing, but um, yeah. So after that moment, which is you know the, it, there is the danger with having a, a kind of moment like that in a game that it becomes like an M Night Shyamalan movie where you know like seeing the Sixth Sense for the second time or whatever. It's like yeah, okay, um, I've just got to do three hours to get to that moment, and I know what's going to happen. So. Um, but actually playing it through again, yeah, it definitely didn't have the same impact, but I enjoyed the overall game uh, probably as much. Uh, found it interesting to go back to. I don't think now I've comp- you know, I've completely completed it twice on two systems. I've got every achievement. Um, I probably don't need to play it again when I've got I, I all these other thousands of games to play. But it's a game that yeah. should be experienced once, and it's never... Once you sort of you've sort of seen behind the curtain, sort of say it's you know you've already you know the little secrets. It's not as special. It did you know it, it's the same problem that plagued Journey for me as well. Amazing on its first right. playthrough, you know it loses the magic on the second, but you still appreciate its qualities. And I think that's one of those moments is that the first time, you know, when when I crossed the water, I think like you said, I think it could only be in about ten seconds or so. Um, probably feels longer in your head than it was in reality and, mm. and then you press it mm. and you're like huh and then you're like wow yeah. and then you're like that was really clever yeah. like it, it's so seldom you're surprised I think when you play games these days especially so yeah, many of them that, that you know you're sort of yeah. taken aback for a moment yeah, especially when you play as many as you know people who make and listen to Kane and Rince play. It's like you know we we feel like you've seen it all and done it before. <laughs> but that that use of I was thinking how ironic it was when I first held a, a vibrating controller in 1997. It was like oh cool explosions and gunfire, Lilac Wars and Goldeneye. I never would have imagined that 16 years later I would be getting from a vibrating controller. <laughs> An, an actual emotional surge, you know. It's there wasn't it's a funny because I, I think on paper, if you you know di- dissect that scene, it's I mean it's it's saying obviously that the the boy now has you know he's been he started out as a child and essentially now he's a man like he, he's taken on responsibilities of of life and ultimately his brother's death although I'm sure his mother's death really uh, apart from the you know not able to swim probably should have had a bit more of an impact on his life but. It, it, it's on paper I think it, it's really quite oh okay so he turned into a man uh, but I think the game tackles it a lot more subtle than that um, just the way that you know you, you do have to kind of you know find it yourself pull the trigger have your brother's voice in, in your ear saying that it's fine um, but the the bit that got to me more than more than that although it was a fantastic part was the actual fact that your father crying 
um, beside mm, you mm. over. Yeah, you know, and there's there was a uh, a grave at the very start of the game that you, you're sitting next to, including that's your mother's grave. But um, when you return there, there's there's two graves, and obviously that's your brother as well. And that got to me more than I think most elements of the game. It, it wasn't a, a gameplay thing at all. It was just the fact that they decided to end it on a man sorrow. I mean, it, he's yeah, I proper. Mean, t- the way he was. But, the, the way he was crying it, it was a real kind mm. of like somebody's just been told something really quite bad and they don't know how genuine, they're going to get over it I think is how yeah. it came off the, the, the thing is like the context of that scene I think is what makes it so emotional for me because it's the realisation that his son sacrificed his, his life. life to mm. save him and no parent should ever have to bury their child and you did know, you almost feel like was was that sacrifice yeah, was it worth it? You know, if like he had a choice, like yeah. he probably wouldn't. If, if if he knew what the mm. the cost of this life elixir was going to be, he was he wasn't going to allow his son to go off there. He would have just you know coughed himself to death, like any parent most likely would have done. So exactly, it's, yeah. Uh, and even uh, even as you know, the boy, you know, taking that onto his shoulders at that point, you know, you think, well, where do you go from now? Ultimately, you've seen that you don't know if he's the cause. He's probably not the cause of the death of his mother, but he was there, and then he was there for the death of his brother, and now he has to look after his yeah. father. You know, going from a child, he's going to have a lot of survivor guilt, a lot of survivor guilt. Yeah, Um, and I think um, this this scene was, uh, even though again, you know, I'd seen it before, I knew it was coming, uh, was elevated for me. And you know, this this is a sad story, but um, no one knows the people involved. But I went, I attended a funeral this week of my my friend's uh, daughter who died suddenly recently at the age of twenty three, and seeing my friend in bits at his daughter's funeral. Um, uh, will live with me forever um, and uh, so yeah having that fresh in my mind kind of yeah sold that moment to me all the more unfortunately I wish I didn't have that have that real life situation but it's interesting because sometimes I'm sort of I, you know I find myself thinking and saying I think one of our correspondents says something similar um, that I don't have the same bond as some people seem to have with games like Bioshock 2, The Walking Dead uh, The Last of Us because I don't have a daughter I don't have any children and I don't have a brother either, I don't, I'm don't. i an only child with, with no children um, and so I don't have uh, you know, I, I have four half brothers who I never see and I don't even have a relationship with my father so I don't even have that, you know, since I was 15 that connection and yet basic human emotions dictate that I've, you know, I haven't lost my mother but I can empathise with that that the boy goes through um i don't you know i i don't have a brother but i can empathize with that you know it's it's just about feeling normal human feelings we can take feelings we know from other bereavements and losses whether it's grandparents or pets or whatever and you know imagine those and as i say for, for me seeing a friend of mine recently horribly bereaved um yeah you know you you thankfully we we are empathetic creatures right uh, we should move on to listener correspondence. So this one, uh, an email. We've had a few emails recently. It's unusual, but they do happen. So uh, you can email us, canerince at gmail.com. This came from Jonathan Walmsley. Now, he sent a 1,600-plus word review Whoa. of Brothers. Um, so we ca- I'm sorry, we can't possibly read that whole thing out, but thanks so much for sending it. What I might do is um, post it in the... Post it on the forum, yes. Um, maybe either in the, perhaps both, perhaps both in the brothers thread and the uh, podcast for this, uh, the podcast thread for this issue. So, but this is how he concludes. 
Uh, after a brief cutscene where the younger brother heads home on the back of a flying feathery bird creature, it is dark and raining as you get home. As I made my way along, to, uh, along the shore, my instincts were to move left, move the left older brother's stick as well, but immediately I felt that loss in the very controls themselves. It's this moment of impactful narrative emotion being delivered via gameplay mechanics which makes Brothers for me so unique. Indeed, this is used to full effect by the game when the younger brother, faced by a strip of water, must find a way across. Previously, the little brother had clung to the older being unable to... Previously, the little brother had clung to the older being unable to swim himself, but now it is up to him alone to carry on. As the player, I wasn't sure what to do at first, and then it dawned on me I had to press both triggers simultaneously and essentially harness the power of the brother's memory to swim across. Symbolically, thematically, and mechanically, it's a stroke of genius, and more such moments follow as the brother must channel the spirit of his older brother to carry on and accomplish alone what the two had previously accomplished together. It's these uplifting, impactful moments most of all which are the reason Brothers was my number one game of last year, as it utilises the unique, interactive nature of video games to give the narrative even greater emotional and symbolic resonance. With the final interactive moments passed, the final scene is a cutscene with the brother and father, now saved, standing over the graves of both mother and sibling, and the father collapsing in grief as the boy looks stoically on with that haunting music suffusing the scene with even greater sadness. It was here, most of all, that I really got emotional, the full weight of the loss with the memory of the journey after the quest had been achieved, but at a great cost being present that I began to cry, quite a lot, to say the least. It's a game that doesn't overly rely on cutscenes to tell its impactful story, but rather uses the unique interactive nature of video games to deliver a particularly story-driven emotional effect that has a greater resonance as a result and isn't found in other more passive mediums. And what an effect it was. The Reviewist I found that despite the cleverness everyone had described to the game, Brothers was quite a facile experience. Although, in being facile, it still managed to express a lot of intelligent design in gameplay and in toying with player understanding of the world. The plot was fairy tale simple, and the fact that the game was filled with archetypes was both slightly disappointing but understandable, as this is a game trying to convey a lot using as little as possible. The dual control method was a great move, although it was far too easy to end up walking the wrong brother in a direction as they moved around the screen. Learning to use the skills and advantages of each brother to accomplish tasks was cleverly done, and by the end of the game felt almost second nature, although it never quite got there for me. Still, the controls were part of the experience and part of the narrative itself, as each brother could be seen interacting with the world in unique ways. This was especially true at the game's ending, with the subtle moment of revelation where the player has to use the controls on the now dead older brother to cross the water. That simple mechanic was a wonderfully simple but effective method of tugging the player's heartstrings and conveying the idea that the younger brother was drawing on what he'd learned from his sibling, as well as on his memory to overcome his own fears. While it was a very enjoyable game, it's not one that lends itself to repeat playings, but for a gaming experience, it's a fascinating little tone poem that fans of artistic expression in games as a medium should try out. Um, Josh? Nekimancer says I picked this one up when there was a lot of noise surrounding its arrival on PC I was very impressed the game is gorgeous the characters and events are compelling single player co-op will turn your brain to mush it very much deserves all the awards and acclaim it received I remember it fondly but I don't really have it in my top games the game didn't really make a significant impact on me There were parts where I really got into the game and really loved it, 
but there were also parts that took me out of it. I felt that it was clear where the story was going, so I was not surprised by the ending, just a bit saddened. The single-player co-op was very well done, but I found myself doing a lot of the same sort of thing pretty quickly. I had hoped that they might have gone bigger with it, maybe a segment where one brother is being chased and the other one has to complete sequences in order to slow down or, or stop the bad stuff from catching up. I wonder if allowing a segment where they got split up so much so that a split screen would have been used might have broken the immersion and feeling of the game. The story's interesting, it's well told, it's a fun experience, it's cheap, it's flipping beautiful. Buy it, give it a shot. The worst that'll happen is you'll have a couple of hours of decent fun. On the other hand, you might just find a game that you'll keep in your mind for years to come. I don't regret my time with it in the slightest, even though I was on the lower end of the spectrum in how much I enjoyed it. Cass said, This game is a beautiful experience and everyone should buy it. The puzzles are easy, but I feel like that's to the game's benefit. They're simple enough to figure out that they become small moments of achievement rather than serious obstacles, and are often quite visually striking whilst they do it, the rope swing section putting a ridiculous smile on my face. I like how the slightly mind-bendy control scheme made the puzzles more challenging without being overly complex or frustrating, because in a game like this the momentum of the trip you're taking is the whole point, and to put significant roadblocks in the way would kill a lot of the joy to be found in the game. Besides, it's not your journey, it's theirs. So while the puzzles might not be that challenging for the player, I certainly got a kick out of watching the boys figure it out. The game does a good job of making you feel responsible for the boys. When the younger boy brother floundered in the water, I saved him because I wanted to, not just because I had to. And while there was no dialogue, there was no need. The relationship between the two brothers, not to mention the themes that wrap up the game, including the final moment where the younger brother deals with his fear of the water has the kind of universality that makes the best fairy tales. With an emotional impact that could only ever really have been delivered through this medium, and that makes me incredibly happy. <laughs> Tony, are you ready to take Xavier Hi. Desmond's? I absolutely adore this game which for me came out of nowhere as I'd not heard too much about other than passing mentions on a couple of podcasts. I think a big reason I connected with the game was that it was a story of two brothers. A lot of the best story-driven games of recent years have been based around father-daughter relationships. Although I love stories of The Walking Dead and The Last of Us, I haven't got a daughter, so it requires a certain leap of imagination to connect with them. However, I do have a brother who is a couple of years older than me and so I instantly connected with the characters. Despite the fact there is no dialogue and the story is told with quite broad brushstrokes, the developers managed to capture the feeling of having a brother of similar age in quite a profound way and in a way that I think is quite unique. The whole game I found incredibly moving and the experience I'll never forget. So yeah... Um you know, we uh, that's not every single piece of uh, comment or correspondence we've had, but uh, it was reflective with a you know a couple of uh, negative comments um, within there, but yeah, nearly all positive. Um, there's no soft soaping or whitewashing. That's just the way. Mm -hmm. That's the way it's come in. Um, that's how people feel about the game. So uh, summing it up even more succinctly into three words. We have some of our Twitter followers, starting uh, with 
Josh and Chris Spann. Uh, Chris Spann of the Recycle Bin podcast says, Glorious Scandinavian whimsy. <laughs> Necromancer. Don't trust her. Frozen Treasure says, Beautiful, tragic game. Baby stretch. Emotional gut punch. Alan Wilkinson says, Digital brotherly love. Normcore Holly. Vibration with pathos. Nick Atkins needs a hug. Fancy pen, losing left hand. Patrick Smith, poetry via mechanics. Michael Hughes, trigger happy havoc. I'm not sure if he was thinking about another game or whether there's just something about the trigger based control <laughs> method. <laughs> I, I thought we'd include it anyway. Uh, Rob Lawlaw says, Eco's lost sibling. Clever. Minutes 5072. Simple, gorgeous, heartbreaking. Xavier Fox Shandy says, mm-hmm. heart-wrenching masterpiece. Lovely. Thank you, everyone, who contributed some really brilliant contributions to this particular podcast. We never know. I mean, uh, it, maybe it's because it's a more recent game, but we had a lot for this one. Uh, and yeah, thank you. Adds a lot to the podcast, I think. Not just to hear from us old bores but (laughs) here we go again to conclude um i don't think we probably need to go at much more length we've said a lot of it already but um but yes if we can just summarize our feelings somehow starting with carl yeah it's essentially it's games like brothers why i love starbreeze studios as a developer um every single game i play there's always something that feels unique uh, an experience that I'll look back on and remember fondly and and know that it was a Starbreeze game and, and Brothers is obviously no different it's one of the very few games that's ever delivered um, emotional sadness to me uh, which is highly rewarding anyway because obviously I, with so many games that I've played uh, you know for there to be less than a handful is quite something and and this is most definitely one of them and I think a lot of that's to do with the way that Starbreeze uh, in an age where games are going bigger and bolder sort of stepped back and delivered a game of such beautiful subtlety both artistically with the audio with the story and and the controls we have a game with a control input of two joysticks and two buttons or the, the two triggers which is incredible to deliver such a, a, a title I mean the, there's for me absolutely no filler in this game it, it, it's pure story it, it's a joy to play through in sections or all in one go the vistas are so utterly wonderful that you truly feel like you've actually been on a journey and it's I think the saddest part of of this game is how few people seem to have acknowledged it at the time. I mean, there's a lot of um, North American friends I've got who, for the longest time, didn't know about this game last year. It did appear in many of their you know, 10 games of the year lists, and, and, and that's brilliant, but nearly unanimously they all said that they'd never heard of the title before they were handed a review copy or before word of mouth and and that's a little sad and I think it, it, it's tough for a company like Starbury Studios that don't work exclusively with a developer you look at someone like that game company who Sony pushed to the ends of the earth and and rightly so, they're, they're a great company and you think, what? 
how successful could Starbreeze be if they had that same sort of what advertising I... push? I mean, they had they were in the summer of arcade, but no one knew it was the summer of arcade. It was the worst year that Microsoft had basically just given up and left the building by this point. And it wasn't really until it came to PC or PS3 that I saw people talking about this game. And, and, and that, that's a shame because they've had so many overlooked works that, that are so good from you know the, the the great game arguably the greatest game of the Xbox outside of Halo and, and shooters to the most memorable shooter of this generation and and this for me is you know I don't want to call it a, a, an indie game it's not a triple A game it's certainly something in between um but this delivered more in that area than pretty much any other in that area I mean for a game that costs £10 new or I think it was £2 odd in the PlayStation Plus sale prior to being free on PlayStation Plus I mean that is that is something, it's a game that punches so far above its weight has a wonderful story uh, the, the soundtrack will live with me long <laughs> after the game I can't recommend playing this game enough Tony? Yeah we, we talked earlier on the show about um you know, expectations and a lot of people's expectations going into this now with, with the hype around it is that they're going to have an emotional experience with the game interestingly that's not how I, I came to this game I came to the, the the game with a developer talking you know you know you understand why they, they kept the story close to the chest because you know that's the core of the game but um, a lot of the preview stuff that I read was talking about how they were going to have this single player co-op experience and how the puzzles were going to be challenging to the gamer um, and how it was going to be a, you know like nothing you've played before and I guess my expectations going into the, the game the first time round was just that and unfortunately that stuff just doesn't actually really exist in the game it is purely um, I I actually think it's it's almost a little bit of a filler to tell a story now there's essentially ultimately nothing wrong the, the game is what the game is and actually I, I really enjoyed the game I, I really think it does it it challenges um, expectations of what games can achieve, certainly in its story. Um, and it's a, it's a nice ride along the way. Um, so it, it's odd for me to, to have a little bit of a, a bugbear or a grudge that the fact that I think this game could be better if they added a little bit more time. Yet yeah, I love it for what it is. Um, so I'm in a really odd difficult and interesting position what I will say is that I think you know it's three hours long nobody should be deterred from picking up this game whatever price it is because I think it's an important game it's a it's an interesting game to play um, but I can't get over the fact that I think there's actually a better in quotes game to be had in there somewhere and I can't help but just feel that they missed a little bit of something that could have actually put it into a, a slightly higher league of bracket into my mind and the emotional gut punches and stuff and we shouldn't compare games to other games but I shall do this and just you know whatever it's you know it didn't have that resonance of something like a journey um or a flower or, or something like that where you know it they 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 got to me in a more personal level um, so I definitely would recommend people playing this game it's, it's a great game but yeah I'm, I'm not on that fence of people where it, it, it really affected me in, in many aspects um, so yeah not to be on a downbeat but good but not amazing <laughs> uh, 
I'll be I'll be very brief. Um, I haven't really enjoyed any of Starbreeze's games up to this point. They don't really appeal to me hugely, and I haven't enjoyed what I've played of them. This is far more up my alley. It's obviously a complete departure for them, um, and evokes uh, the good bits of games like Eco, um, the good bits of the first two Fable games, um, Limbo and Papo and Yo, which we're covering on this show soon. All games that I I did really enjoy. Um, and actually for me uh, I agree with Carl I don't think there is I didn't feel there was any filler uh, for me I I really love the length of this game and actually it it serves to prove that developers don't need to make games 20, 25, 30, 40, 100 hours to feel like an to feel like an epic this satisfied me completely and it did in the same way as you know you might go and see a film like Lord of the Rings and you know watch these characters go on their quest and you know those are, are long movies sure but in three to four hours you feel like you've been on a real journey in 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 those sorts of films and you can do it in a game absolutely to do with the amount of different things and areas you see and how memorable they are the 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 things different things that happen and the journey the characters go on um make, did make me feel like I'd, I'd played an epic even even though it only took three hours or whatever and and that's ideal (laughs) that's ideal for me um in the end the although the control method the twin sticks and the triggers actually there are there are two other buttons you you can use to rotate the camera but but you seldom need to do it um although that was obviously crucial to the whole experience and you know sometimes other people have had problems with the way that it can make the on-screen action go a bit goofy and stuff um, in the end, that's not really what I come away remembering. Even even though it has that amazing, you know, right trigger vibration payoff moment, actually, when I think back to the game, I just remember what was happening on screen and what I did. It's not like after a certain point, your brain is totally au fait mm-hmm. with the control system, and you're just running the two brothers about in tandem, and you can even do, start to. Um, like remember to release the left stick to let little brother catch up a bit and stuff like that and and um, and actually I think it's one of those games where playing it well as in terms of making the on-screen action look good look authentic is part of the playing of the game and that's kind of maybe that's almost why some of the puzzles are so so seemingly very straightforward is because part of the challenge of the game is actually making the adventure look like a real a real fairy tale yeah. adventure that's true um so yes i really really like it um i think some people might find that the lack of uh challenge and peril is an issue um and that's why i highlighted that in my original review because some people do come to games for those things but if you go in um just wanting to be told a story don't go into it thinking i am going to be moved by this please god make me cry then uh that probably won't work um anyway we spoiled it for you now so whatever (laughs) but um (laughs) <laughs> if you if you haven't played it, it, I still think it's worth playing, even though it's been spoiled. Um, if you have played it, well, I yeah. If you didn't like it, then you should have told us so we could have read your post out. <laughs> but yeah, I I really like it. I'm very happy to have played it through to proper completion twice. Let's conclude with Joshua. Um, while in environmental storytelling and storytelling through mechanics is nothing new, I I feel like Brothers is a part of a wave of games that I think is really perfecting storytelling through mechanics and in, and through environmental uh you know set pieces and stuff like that I think if if you're looking at if you want an example of a game that really nails just 
telling a story without dialogue, without text, without cutscenes, I think you need to look at this game. Um, and developers going forward who are aiming for that sort of thing need to, you know, use this game as part of their research uh, in order to convey that kind of stuff. I I think it's an incredibly successful. Um, example of um, leveraging the unique qualities of video games to tell a really emotionally effective story. Um, I do agree with some of um, Tony's criticisms. Um, uh, I, I do think it is kind of caught between a um, more experiential game and a more mechanics-focused game. But ultimately, because there are so few games in that middle ground, it didn't really bother me, and I kind of just went with what the game was uh, uh, was selling. Um, yeah, I, w- I was really impressed with this game. I think it's Starbreeze's uh, most complete game. Um uh, yeah, I I don't know if I described that really well. What I mean by that is that um, Starbreeze's previous attempts uh, at storytelling and and video games, I, I feel like they've had moments of brilliance, like moments that are really special. But the whole package never like I really love the darkness, but I think gameplay wise it has some problems. But there are so many moments that are special to me in that game that ultimately I end up loving it. Whereas Brothers, I. I don't feel like there's anything hugely wrong with it. I think it's a very complete game, um, minus a few glitches and bugs. Um, yeah, I, I think it's their best game to date, and I, I I'll be excited to see what they do going forward. I hope they continue um, focusing on these smaller projects, uh, because I think, for whatever reason, that team... Um, delivered something really special when they weren't going for the big license game. So, yeah, I highly recommend Brothers to anyone who's interested in interactive storytelling. I, I, I'll, tell, I'll, I'll leave you with a quote. That, well, a quote, but this is what Joseph Ayres said about um, having to make games over um, films. And he described uh, it as one of the most hardest experiences of his life because unlike films mm. where you can tell people to stand on the set, with game pl- with mm. um, game players, they want to move your set. So everything that you put in the world, they want to mess with. So he said, imagine making a film and somebody comes along and moves the lights and then kicks somebody and then moves, you know, puts the script somewhere said that's what's making games like it's a nightmare but ultimately fulfilling at Mm. the end so yeah there's probably a whole conversation to be had around that but we're well out of time Um, so it just remains for me Leon Cox to thank Tony Josh and Carl Uh, and next time it's a double sucker punch as we discuss the first two infamous 